Well, we got all of our protesting out last week. We did. I'm all protested out. Yeah, and we get to talk about um, more upbeat things today. Quite literally. Yes. Yeah, it's very uh, true. This is very upbeat. Yeah, we're, it's an upbeat offbeat. Uh, we're talking about a, a group that is near and dear to me for a handful of reasons today. Uh, that's Dead or Alive. Yes. Um, one of uh, the the original success stories of the Stock Aiken Waterman team. But um, I, I say that very lightly as their success can't entirely be attributed to Stock Aiken Waterman. And if you don't know what Stock mm-hmm. Aiken Waterman is, first of all, why are you listening to this show? Yeah, right. Uh, but no, two, uh, we're, we're here to be educational and informative just as much as we are to be funny <laughs> and play true. cool music. Stock Aiken Waterman was this production team um, that, that kind of created the British um, dance pop sound of yes. the, the late 80s. And uh, they had a bunch of success with artists like Kylie Minogue and uh, Rick Astley, and I'm, I'm sure there are others, but those are always the two I think. Oh, Bananarama. Didn't they do Bananarama stuff, too? I think too? they did, yeah. Yeah, like uh, I Heard a Rumor was them. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, so good. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but they, they had like a signature kind of sound, and uh, uh, Dead or Alive was one of the first groups they ever worked with. Yes. But the thing with, with Stockache and Waterman, they were often taking groups that already existed and maybe had a little success with their first album and then would scoop them up and work with them. Yep. And that's definitely the case with Dead or Alive, um, as we're going to talk about here, because um, their early stuff uh, is very reminiscent of the later stuff that they did with Stockache and Waterman. Um, so Pete Burns was the, the well-known front man of Dead or Alive. You've seen this guy. You'll know his picture. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he was notorious uh, for his appearance for a lot of reasons. Um, but he, it, it was definitely um, his doing. He was in a few bands in the late 1970s. He he was in, I didn't know this until I was looking his life up, but he was in a band with Julian Cope, who was another one of these kind of like gender bending. Um, yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. New wave artists from the early 80s. Um, and I, yeah, him, him and Pete Wiley, who was another new waver, they were uh, in a group called the Mystery Girls uh, that I'd never heard of. Um, and I, it says they played one show, according to Pete's website. They played one show and broke up. So there you go. That's a very late seventies, early eighties story. Yes, <laughs> uh, but then that was nineteen seventy eight. So the next year, he forms what I would call like a new wave rock group called Nightmares in Wax. Mm-hmm. They only released one seven inch single um, in nineteen eighty. Um, two of these tracks got later re-released. The ones that are alive was big. Um, but have you have you heard any of this stuff? The nightmares in, in well, wax I listened stuff? to it like while well, it was the first time I had heard it. Yeah. Well, while doing that, it's it's very interesting. gothy new wave kind of. Yeah, it's I, I I didn't and I love new wave rock, but I didn't think it was that great. But, yeah, it's uh, not really my cup of tea. No, on the new wave it's, and it's definitely thing. you can still hear Pete Burns in the music, like you hear his influence, but it's definitely. A different direction than Dead or Alive would go. Yeah, so, it's not usually what you're listening to with a Dead or Alive. No, so let's we'll put a clip here of uh, of some Nightmares in Wax music. Maybe all three, since they only had three songs. Yeah, might as well. So after um, this seven-inch single release in 1980, they go through a couple of lineup changes. But um, by mid 1980, uh, the formation of what would be Dead or Alive is pretty mm-hmm. much solid at this point. And Pete changed their the band's name to Dead or Alive. So I mean, yeah, he's he's driving the bus, uh, the creative bus at this point. He is. Yeah. No, Pete Burns is a creative. I wouldn't say genius, but he's 
a strong personality. He's a strong thing to build a group around. Uh, so yes. Pete is going to, Pete is always going to kind of drive the bus. Yes. He's going to be the story of Dead or Alive. Always. Always. And uh, yeah, that's a really good way to put it too. When you, when you have a band like that, that's very centered around one personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It better be a strong one. And, yeah. and Pete definitely was um, a strong personality. Yeah. That's a absolutely very, very good way to put it. Um, I had never heard this single, The Stranger, that was like the first Dead or Alive single. I hadn't um, either. That this was before their first record. Um, this was like two years before their first record. In fact, um, it. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Vanity, <laughs> that same kind I of like the that. jungle theme. Like because yeah. we always talked about how Vanity was always about being in the jungle She's and whatnot. A wild animal. She was a wild vanity. animal. Yeah, yeah. This this kind of has that like safari. Yeah, I never yeah. really know, thought about it with a Vanity connection, but yeah, it does kind of sound like that. So after um, The Stranger had a little bit of success on the uh, indie charts in the UK, mm-hmm. they got signed to Epic, which was a big British label, um, already having success with artists like Michael Jackson and whatnot Yay. at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dead or Alive gets signed for their debut album, which is called Sophisticated Boom Boom. Which <laughs> 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 is perfect. It is. It's so them. Um, this was 1984. Mm-hmm. And this is pre-Stock Aiken Waterman. They're not working with, with Stock Aiken Waterman yet. Um their first single is this great song called Misty Circles. Yes. And um, I love, I point, I always point to Misty Circles and, and one other song on this album that we're going to get to, to show how Dead or Alive was still Dead or Alive oh, before yeah. Stockake and Waterman. Like this, if you had any doubt that like Pete and the boys all had their creative control, like just listen to this record. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit reminiscent. It's still got a lot of the stuff that comes in with Stockake and Waterman. But it's, it actually goes a little harder. It still has that new wave rock-ish kind of a thing yeah, behind it. Yeah, for and sure. By the way, the intro to this song, which is insane, um, it's got like this weird like breathing thing. Yeah. If you play that really <laughs> loud on your speakers and you have a dog that's very sensitive to noise, she will lose it. <laughs> I will just point that out. Like, this, oh, like I wasn't even paying attention last night. I had it going. And then like she starts like running around the house. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, it's the Misty Circles. I'm sorry. <laughs> put up a great live video that i found of them performing this on a british like it was kind of it looked like a pre top of the pops kind of thing it was called mm-hmm. razzmatazz it was like a live music show but there's a really great live performance and pete is very much already already being pete oh yeah pete uh, yeah i was actually reading something about he there was a drag performer that he saw in like the late 70s and that always like drove what he was about like as soon as he saw this drag performer he was like that's my image and i'm gonna keep doing it forever so yeah he's he had that image way before a lot of people had that. He did, and I, I think that um, he was a little bit... He, I mean, he, he came up around the same time Boy George did, but yeah. I, but Culture Club kind of blew up before Dead or Alive did by a few years. And I think that um, 
the comparisons are understandable, but mm -hmm. I always thought that Pete was kind of better at it than Boy George was. Pete was a little harder with it, I think. I, I, I don't know. Like, I just felt like his yeah, was a little yeah. harsher than Boy George. Yeah, Pete. Pete's was kind of about unflinching queerness, I think. And yes. Boy George was just sort of like about... I don't know. It was like he wanted a soft appearance or something, but I think the music is different too in that same oh, way. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, the music it's... the music's totally different, but yeah, just just in terms of appearance, um I always kind of thought that Pete outshone Boy George just just for me. I but... think Pete always had I was reading some stuff. Pete always had some like a chip on his shoulder about it because he would always be like people would ask him about his experience. Like, Do you ever ask Boy George these questions because he stole this from me? Right. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> so, I think that was just always and something And understandably because Pete did it better. Yeah, so. well. The other song I love on this record um, is the, is what I want because mm. this is like I, I we we get into on some of these dead or alive songs what I call angry Pete when he's <laughs> when he starts getting intense and what I want is like the first in the first time we ever hear angry Pete like what I want what I want like he's a super strong voice oh yeah it's yeah a really strong great voice yeah but he's like he's driving it home in yeah. this song he's pissed off about something I don't blame him aren't we all demanding what he wants. have to talk about this this <laughs> very amazing know. cover they do of the Casey and the Sunshine Band song. That's I had never heard like this it. before. Really? <laughs> yeah, because you know, I'm a disco girl. I love me some Casey and oh, his so Sunshine Band. Oh, so you never heard this so version. So I was like, I saw the title. I was like, this can't be what I think it is. Oh, yeah. And it is, um, but with a great little addition of Keep That Body Strong. Yes. It, which, I don't know, it works. <laughs> and the music video to this is in incredible incredible <laughs> yeah. it's like pete and a bunch of other guys who are kind of dressed like pete but you know he's not gonna have anybody who outshines him no. in the video but they're all you know kind of femme dressed queer dressed and they are standing in front of this sign that says boys only and mm -hmm. I, oh i just love it so much it's just like yeah it's, that's um... that's so everything that he was about you know just like kick-ass high energy music and a big middle finger to gender roles and it's oh, all yeah. just like in this one <laughs> this one music video captures it so well yeah, it's perfect. So the following year, um, Dead or Alive would release their second epic album, which was called Youthquake, which yes. um, arguably would be... Um, they're, I think it's probably their most well-known album. Yeah, it's mostly what they're known it, it for. It brought them their U.S. success, for sure. Um, and this was the, where they started working with Stock Aiken Waterman. Um, and their first single is the, the legendary You Spin Me Round Like a Record, which is just ubiquitous at this point. Everyone I mean, knows this song. It was, like, it's it's the benchmark to point to for high-energy music, to me. Like, mm -hmm. if people want to know, like, I love high-energy music, you know, and I, I talk about it a lot. And people, people are like, well, what's high-energy? I'm always like... Dead or Alive, You Spin Me Round, Stacey Q, Two of Hearts. You know, there are like a few songs you can point to, but that, yeah, this one is, it's a perfect mark for what high energy is and what it should be. Yeah, I think I think Youthquake really brings them to like pure club music at this point. Yes, like, it yes. Is, what I love about Dead or Alive, especially this album, every song is fun. 
Like you can play yeah. just this front to back at a dance party and everyone's going to have fun. It's you don't so have true. to know the music. It's perfect. Nope, it's, it's just a blast to dance to. Yeah. So true. Some of the synth is really, really great on this album. Like it's, it's honestly like listening to it sounds like early Giorgio Moroder esque, yeah. like with Donna Summer. Right. It's you, well, you can intricate. And you can hear the um. They use uh, the guitar sounds from the Yamaha DX7 in this track mm-hmm. to do the little. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so um, the DX7 was well known at this point for like uh, electric piano and brass mm-hmm. sounds. So they were kind of like one of the ones using the guitar sounds from it, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of cool. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, this song is. A legend. Yeah, everyone knows this, I think. Except for my friend who got this in Spinning Wheel Karaoke, where you have to spin the wheel and you and sing whatever sing song it. came up. And, and it was right after Pete died, right? And I was like, you got the song I win. He's like, I don't know this. And I was like, well, sorry about our friendship. We're done. Lover Come Back to Me is probably the best Dead or Alive music video. I mean, like, again, this is so Pete being Pete. Yeah. Um, it, well, if, if not, it's definitely on the level of the That's the Way I Like It video for me in just terms of just I love to watch it because I just love watching it's Pete. It's always just so fun. But, I mean, oh, my God. So if you've never seen this video, it starts with this this very wide tracking shot that pushes down into Pete, and he's posed on this, like, mm-hmm. this couch, and he's posed like a lion, like you would see a lion on somebody's project. And he looks right in the camera, and the first line of the song is, I've been lying here so lonely. And I'm like, oh, Pete. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> he, um... It's just so good. <laughs> he has no shame, and it's great. Like, in a good way. Not, like, saying he should have shame. But, like, it's yeah. great. He's like, you know what? It's, like, 1985, and I'm doing what right. I want. Right, he just... <laughs> Big hair. He's doing the eye patch at this point. Yeah. Um. And and what I love too is that have you did you notice that he's he just rocks white socks. It's just so funny. He's got like this whole glam. Like he's wearing like this this silken suit thing, and these like you know big chunky black uh, boots that like you know a typical yeah. young British guy would wear. Yeah. But he's got these like white crew socks on with it. It's- <laughs> tell you what I can appreciate that as someone who whenever I go out I'll dress up everywhere but I'm wearing sweatpants <laughs> <laughs> I think it justifies it if I try three quarters of the way I get it I get it Pete Maybe I can make you I love In Too Deep because In Too Deep is like the first time we hear them being down tempo on this record. Mm. That's the way I like it, I guess, was kind of down tempo, but In Too Deep is like... They never get too Exactly. This is like as down tempo as they (laughs) get. There's one more on the next record that we'll talk about, but like this is one of the rare moments where where Dead or Alive gets a little... They kind of slow down and groove it out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like, it's still... The beat is still super fun and super fast, but the melody, like, the actual vocal melody, it's, like, kind of a smooth R&B-ish kind of slow jam-ish, but on top of this crazy beat, and it's awesome. I 
Did you notice also that there was some uh, Sophie B. Hawkins-esque uh, music video stealing on this one? <laughs> I didn't yeah, I don't know it. if you've seen the music video for In Too Deep, but yeah, they definitely like, it's the, they use parts of the Lover Come Back to Me video. Oh, yeah. And the even, lazy video making. I love it. It even opens with uh, some vocals of My Heart Goes Bang, which My Heart Goes Bang is just like, mm-hmm. right? Like, th- this is this is dead or alive at their deadest or aliveiest. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've always called them dead and or alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are two different versions of this song. I think one is like a single edit and one was the album cut, but there's mm-hmm. one that kind of starts with the, you know, the do-do-do-do, and then they go into um, the, the lyrics of the song. But there's one that just starts with like this crash and Pete, this, this crazy edit of, of Pete yelling the chorus of the song. <laughs> Um, but they both work. They're both just yeah. just so dead or alivey. Yeah, they don't care. They'll do what they want. So two years later, Dead or Alive's third album comes out. This is It's Mad, Bad, and Dangerous to Know. Um, they have another big old hit right out of the box um, on this mm-hmm. on this record. Um, a big old hit in the U.S., that is. Another top 40 single in Brand New Lover. This was actually the first Dead or Alive song I ever heard. It was on a compilation tape that my mom bought me when I was little. Because like, it was right oh, when I was wow. getting into 80s music. and so I do hear it a lot. Like, for a while, you know, I always grew up listening to, like, I would hear You Spend Me Round, but... I mean, when I, this was the second one I ever heard, because I always thought Dead or Alive, I never paid attention, was a one-hit wonder, because you just always hear that song. Then I started hearing Brand New Lover, I'm like, man, is this better? That's <laughs> yeah, like, really good. Yeah, so. This was their only other um, top 40 single in the United States, besides You Spin Me Around Like a Record. Like yeah, on, on yeah the, I knew it hit it. On the Hot 100. Way. Yeah, this was a number 15 single. Wow. Um, and of course, yeah, it was a number one dance single, of course, but, um, and interestingly enough, You Spin Me Around was not. Isn't that weird? It's all. I love the charts. It's all about timing. It's it so is, cool. Like I guess. so many songs that people realize are just. But yeah, on, on the U.S. dance charts, this was their biggest hit, and it was definitely their their second biggest on the on the Hot 100. They're only other top 40. Wow. Um, but Brand New Lovers just um, it's a great song. Very relatable. Like the like the lyrics actually kind of hit home in oh, this good. one. Um, so yeah, Pete Pete has, was was really great always at being vulnerable. I yeah. mean, he was very unflinching about who he was in, in many ways, but this is one of those instances where we see him kind of being vulnerable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the lyrics to Dead or Alive, like, you can kind of, I think a lot of people don't really pay attention, but especially Brand New Lover, it's actually pretty pretty deep. It's not just your dance song where it just, you know, you can tell they're just making lyrics that rhyme because they have to. Like, it's actually pretty good. I think that um, something in my house is like, I, I joked earlier about the, them being at their deadest or aliveiest. Mm-hmm. This is them at their stocky, aitken e and wateriest. Yeah, I think like this album... <laughs> Water, watermaniest, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, I think this album 
especially like the songs that aren't brand new lover kind of shift like the the sound really shifts here it's almost in a way too busy yeah well it's it, it so got busy it got very very stock ache and waterman yeah like this you could you can tell they they took a little bit more creative control uh, on this yes. record because like something in my house could easily have been you know a kylie minogue or a bross or, or rick okay, astley yeah, or yeah, whoever yeah. song um and and yeah so that's that's just kind of i guess that's where they they were all right with it i mean it's it's still dead or like it's still it's still oh you, you dead or alive being dead or alive, alive but, but i mean um yeah you can you you can definitely you can hear stock ache and waterman more Ooh, especially yeah. like in this song Hooked on Love is um, one that I mentioned where it was. There, it's kind of them at their. This is as down tempo as they go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt like this one sounded the most mainstream poppy to me. Yeah, like, could have really just been like a great radio hit. Like I could see that with other pop hits at the time. Yep. But. This is this is just as it's about as down tempo as they will ever get. Yes. And it's still uh, very but busy. yeah, it's it's groovy as hell. And mm-hmm. we're gonna put up um, in the playlist for this. There's a great um, video. I don't know if they they actually did a full concert um, like videotape back in the day, but there is a really good live performance of this from uh, from Japan in 1986, 87. Whenever I feel the like they would out. be a very Japanese hit band. Oh yeah, I never thought about it. But yep, I feel yep, like yep. Big in Japan, Alphaville, Dead or Alive. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote it about Dead or Alive. Yes. <laughs> Save You All My Kisses is kind of like geeky, don't you think? A little bit. Geeky is the best word I can come up with. It's it's kind of kitschy. That kind of melody is very kitschy. It's got a very bouncy beat that very bouncy. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I get you. That is a little geeky and kitschy. It's geeky. I mean, it's It's cute. Yeah, it's Stock Ake and Waterman doing their adorable teen pop thing, but with a group who kind of is not adorable teen pop. Yeah, right. It sort of (laughs) didn't didn't fit that mold. But whatever. I mean, Pete still plays it off and it works. So we fast forward another two years, uh, fourth album on Epic Records. They're still signed to Epic at this point. Um, they released the album Nude. Yes. Now, what do you think of this record as a whole? To me, like, I think, I think it's still got a lot of Dead or Alive in it, that original kind of Dead or Alive sound, but I think it's kind of altered to be very 1989. It's yes. like the busyness of the 87 album, but like to an, to an nth degree. And it is, um, yeah, like it's very busy, like the last record. It's like bordering on a little bit too much to me. <laughs> like, just like, I kind of want to be like, you know, we don't need this much. Take out a layer. 
and it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Oh, I totally agree with you. It's they they they're very they're teetering the line between 1989 and 1990 sound. Yeah. Like there are some oh, songs. A lot of that. There are some House. songs on this that we'll talk about that are, that are very 80s sounding, but there are some that manage to be very forward. It sounds as very well. like early 90s kind of house stuff. Exactly, I mean, it does. Um, the the first uh, single they release off this, um, and it might have been the only single. I don't know. It's turn around and count to ten. Um, which is, it's very 1989. And I love that 10 is spelled out, but two yeah. is the number. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's yep, just, that's true. I love um, it. This, you know, this album was such a flop in their homeland of the UK. It didn't even chart. Really? Yeah. That's like, that's What's how, un- right. Like in two years, they fell off that much. It's, it's strange to me. But mm-hmm. of course, this it was a big hit in, in Japan, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, and it still, it still did chart on the, on the, the Billboard 200 in the US. Yeah. But yeah, not did not chart in the UK. I definitely think we need to talk about Come Home With Me Baby yes. because of what we were just discussing. Like, this is one of the... Come Home With Me Baby is very forward. Like, it, sound, it sounds like the early 90s. I had never heard this until about two months ago. And Spotify will, like, make me playlists and stuff. And it's, like, one of those... It pops up on playlists, like, you will love this song. And, like, <laughs> I wasn't paying attention one day. And I looked and I was like, dead or alive? Yeah, so, like, this... Yeah. My my music taste, apparently, the algorithm of Spotify is, like, you love this song. Listen to it. And you know what I do? It's really good. Like, I think it sounds like a classic in a way, and I don't know why it isn't one. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, t- truthfully, I don't know that I would know this were Dead or Alive. If I, like, if I wasn't I, a fan, I, if somebody just played me that, I, I, Dead or Alive would not be on the, the list of bands I would have guessed that, the, that did this song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very, like, early 90s house groove. Good stuff. Dead or Alive would release another record uh, the following year called Fan the Flame Part One. Mm-hmm. This was sort of, they realized that their success was picking up in Japan. And so they released Fan the Flame Part One. Uh, I think it might have been an exclusive Japanese release, actually. Yeah. Um, and it was supposed to be this big success for them in Japan. And then it ended up totally not being a big success. For Japan them. only wants you if you don't want them. <laughs> uh, I got that reference. <laughs> Um, but they never, uh, they never did release part two. They had a part two intention and they never released it. Um, uh, we'll put a clip here of one of the songs from Fan the Flames called Your Sweetness is Your Weakness, but it's, it's very, it still sounds very Stock Aiken Waterman. It's, yeah. it's like, I, I, I really don't know what the plan was for this and why there was going to be a part two of it. I mean, whatever. <laughs> we can't question the past.
So I think after Fan the Flames did not do as well as they thought, they kind of had to retool and regroup a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't hear from Dead or Alive for uh, five years, and they released um, an album called Nucleopatra. In 1995. And I, I know you're dying to talk about uh, a certain song on this record. I do. There's a song I've heard on uh, this album. Yes. Um, Sex Drive oh, was this amazing, amazing single. And it, like a lot of people, I, I think most people don't know this this song, but it's like Dead or Alive. I, I need people to know it because I need to know, people to know that to me it sounds 15 years after their incarnation, like Dead or Alive could still make a killer track like this. Hey, to me, it's timeless. Like I hear it, I could hear it being played on any dance floor that's not the dumb modern dance floor, it just plays top 40 and it's terrible. But like yes. any real like gay bar dance floor that plays actual dance music, to me, this is timeless. And it sounds like it is done now. <laughs> I, it's just so perfect. We should mention that it was originally recorded by a group called Glam with mm-hmm. Pete Burns just acting as like the front man, I guess. But then Dead or Alive decided to cut their own version of it for this record. The two versions really don't sound super different. Yeah. But this is like, this is very mid-90s Euro house sound. Like Dead or Alive was definitely growing. They they grew along with, with the times, I think. Oh, they did. They did. But they still kind of always sounded like... They still sounded like Dead or Alive. They, they kept the upbeat, so that, the yeah, high they... energy sound. But they moved from doing, you know, what would have what would have been considered high energy in the 80s to, like, more upbeat techno in the 90s. Exactly. Somewhere between techno and Eurohouse kind of thing. Um, and, and Sex Drive definitely fits that bill. It sees no gender or color, so let's get together and collide with each other. Sex I also think we should put a clip here of the the Hot Tracks remix. I think it's either from a Hot Tracks, an old Hot Tracks record, or a direct hit. It's one of these remix services, mm-hmm. but it's a it's a mix that I've had forever. Somebody gave to me years ago of this song um, that puts in some pieces from this crazy woman named Karen Finley, <laughs> who's like a performance artist, and she's just like screaming these vulgar things over the song. And yeah, so we'll we'll put a little clip of that here. Yeah, it's perfect. It, it's just delightful. Dead or Alive did, um, before we wrap up, I, I think we should mention, they they released um, a huge box set, like, a month and a half ago. And wow. it's basically everything know. they've ever recorded. Damn. All the early stuff, all the records, it's in there. It's called Sophisticated Boombox. God, that's perfect. <laughs> I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> um, but so, yeah, that that is out and, and available from all retailers, like, literally a month and a half before this recording came out. Um in the late October, but you know, we, we really, um, I, I'm glad that we, we could do this episode because Pete Burns is somebody who, um, I've always admired, um, ever Mm -hmm. since the first time I saw him when I was a kid. And he, I feel like he was one of the first people I ever saw who kind of put the idea in my head that it was okay to look how you wanted to look Mm -hmm. and dress how you want to dress and be as queer as you want to be. Um, you know, Pete wasn't transgender or anything, but, you know, he's just, he dressed, in, and I guess you would, what you would call a female presenting kind of way. But, you know, he was, he was just a dude that liked to dress like that. And, and I'm just, I'm always here for people who are kind of pushing 
society in that direction. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I mean, think about how, when he was doing it, like 1984. Exactly. Like that's. I'm just. I'm there were no words for what that was back then. Right. Exactly. You know, it's amazing. I'm just. I'm so here for unflinching queerness, and to me, he's like. Me too. He's like the poster boy of it. Oh and God, yeah. um, I just, I respect him a lot. And um, I think it's it's kind of sad that his life ended the way that it did. Um, because I, I don't know that he was a very happy person when he died. Yeah, I mean, he had a lot of plastic surgeries. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think that's I why. I think he was I mean, always trying to be something. He was, but and, I mean, I think he got the surgeries because he wanted to, to get the surgeries. Well, yeah, but, well, a lot of it I was reading, a lot of it came from just one bad surgery that he had. He had one bad, like, lip surgery. And then he spent, like two years just trying to fix that one and then making everything else worse and he never could quite get it right yeah and it just made it it was just a spiral mm. but he you know he was a truly incredible person oh, despite definitely. despite whatever you know emotional struggles that he he had in his life um he he was an incredible person and um i've always looked up to him and so um it was it was really cool for us to be able to do this um little yeah, tribute yeah. to him and this band who does this incredible high energy music because high energy is the best. It's, to me, it's like timeless fun. I, I don't know. It, it is. never sounds that's, dated to me. That's a very good way to put it. Timeless fun. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening to uh, Offbeat Tracks. Uh, we are on Twitter. You can find us at Offbeat Tracks. Yes, and we are on our website. You can get in touch with us there and look at other cool stuff at offbeattrackscast.com. Yeah, send us uh, episode ideas, whatever you want to hear us talk yeah. about next time. Uh, so until next week, I'm Max. I'm Danielle. See ya. Hey.